Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Party! Oh, yeah. Party hardy, bra. Hey, Dan. What's up? Um, that was masculine, Bob. It's Very one of the more masculine. masculine things you've done in Guess this what? rented garage. Turn 39. Still have a bottle opener on my keychain. What does going. it say? It's been going 20 years now. No, it's completely worn out. This was like, a, I got this, I think, the week I moved to New York, and it's just, it's all gone. I was going to say, I feel like when our dads were in their late 30s, early 40s, there wasn't the bottle opener keychain thing around. So this feels like unique to our generation. Maybe this is, if we've been really looking to find what our generation has given society, it is the rise of the bottle opener keychain. Is that that's what we our offered. dads our dads the had greatest a, generation. Our dads had pocket knives. They were like men that had Swiss Army knives. Mm-hmm. My dad still to this day keeps a miniature uh, comb in his back pocket. That's, see, that's that was the dad that's move. Old school. My dad always had a comb in his pocket, and now um, we have bottle openers like a bunch of degenerates. So you know what's outrageous about that move, like. I don't see the need to comb my hair a lot, but, but I guess maybe that was before things like putting product in your hair, but maybe, maybe, maybe there was, you know what I think in the, uh, we have our phones now. I think back then you're just always looking for something to do with your hands. So you were smoking cigarettes, you were combing your hair, jerking off, jerking off in public. (laughs) And it was fine because it was the 1950s or sixties nowadays. Um, speaking of jerking off, Bob. I started jerking off when I realized that we were going to talk about Bruce Springsteen <laughs> on today's podcast. I know, I know you're doing it right now. Another, so I know you're not kidding. Another incredibly close battle on the um, listeners' poll. Bob. Yeah, this was a Patreon poll. Thanks to our amazing Patreones who are supporting this podcast, giving a little, giving a lot for $6 a month or more. You can vote in the poll to decide what album we're going to do every month. Ah, Bruce, yeah. And uh, last month's poll was the I Love the 80s poll. Where I like when you brand it, Bob. It's cute. You got to brand it. It's like it's we all did, about we're talking about a text with our friends, our guy friends. We're doing a uh, we, we like to go on a getaway, a weekend getaway with our high school buddies um, to different places. We're going to go to Texas, uh, Austin uh, this June. And it reminded me while we were just going back and forth talking about the cutest thing Bob ever did was when we went on our trip <laughs> to L.A., It was like an L.A. San Diego hybrid trip back in 2003. And um, Bob was so adorable that that he, while working at MTV, and there was downtime, he was a lowly PA, Mm -hmm. uh, he he put together a literal binder filled with uh, printouts of activities we could do when we were there. And I just, when I think about some of the cutest things, Right there at the top is Bob's L.A. San Diego party binder. I was very, <laughs> I was very proud of that binder. It had all the bars that we were supposed to go to, all the restaurants, the different places. I think we to, used it quite a bit. We did. That's how we ended up at uh, the Chateau Marmont bar, partying with Trishel from the Real World. Right, and I remember without that binder, 
I would have never lied to her and said I worked on the real world and ended up hanging out with her all night long. Uh, I remember you being really um, into Trishel. And Trishel, if you were a real world fan, that was a that was a pretty big score potentially. And yet um, I look back at it with regret because you or anyone else, no one made a hard play to bang Trishel, which well, would have been the right move in that spot looking yeah, back. Here's my regret. Because I did lie to her and say I worked on the real world and I felt like I knew her because I, you know, I was I was part of the MTV family. Oh, my God. Is that how deep you took it? Well, no, I, that's how like, I that, I've been in the edit bay with you that for was months my, and months. That was my intro was oh like, hi, Are you dirty, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had my MTV ID. So I had proof that I was like an MTV employee. I was like, hey, I feel she like said, I, I need proof. I don't think I ever pulled it out, <laughs> but. Uh, we ended up hanging out all night and I think you or somebody was like flirting with a road rules girl that was there hanging out with her. But me and Trishel, we were hanging out. And at one point I had a girlfriend, so I was, I was on good behavior, right? But now, you're now wife. Nope. Nope. I should have definitely close. should have cheated on her with Trishel. But at one point she was talking to me about how she made out with Andy Dick. And, uh, that is a fucking huge red flag flapping in the wind. And then she was like, she like looked at me and was like, I just, she's like, I wish I had somebody to make out with now, like that kind of thing. And I was like, yep. What? I mean, but I had a girlfriend because I had a girlfriend on that, on that very same trip. And this is what it's like to be 23 years old. Everything is amped up emotionally. Um, I was having problems with my college girlfriend, post-college girlfriend, and we had a really bad fight right before the trip and um she put a a letter in a journal that i had that she had given me as a gift that was essentially like a maybe we should break up letter and um i was so distraught over the relationship that i you guys went out to lunch and i said i'm gonna stay back in the hotel room because i was just an emotional mess and i hadn't opened the letter and i finally said let me look at the letter because i had a bad feeling about it and i read it on the balcony of the hyatt hotel uh, overlooking Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. And after I read the <laughs> letter, I dramatically ripped it into many pieces <sighs> and threw it out up over Sunset Boulevard. And it represented something powerful in my mind. But in practicality, it was just basic litter. You were just littering. You could have got a $50 <laughs> fine for littering on Sunset Boulevard. Go back from whence you came. <laughs> you jobed it. <laughs> and we did stay together uh, for a couple more months, at least. But uh, that was dramatic. That letter did not end up in the binder, although it no, would have been nice. It didn't. All right. So now that was 2003. And those are fun memories, Bob. And it was cute. Um, I don't know how we got there. Because we're we talking did. about the poll, the I Love the 80s poll, where Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah, Springsteen, you named it I Love the 80s. And that was cute. Where Bruce Springsteen eked out a win over the Beastie Boys, licensed to ill. Bruce had 41% of the vote. The Beasties had 40 Coming in at third, Weird Al Yankovic's even worse at 10%. A distant third, yep. Uh, fourth place, bon, jo- bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Bon- Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bon Jovi. And in dead last with a pathetic 3%, Madonna, Like Man, a Virgin. People not into Madonna, I guess. I love Madonna. You know what? She was doing a little better. I think once people saw where this poll was headed, they, they pulled, changed their votes. Yeah, they changed their votes. That uh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that people were doing that. Do you think Bob Springsteen um, over Beastie Boys is a victory in a lot of ways um, for me? But most of all, the Catholics over the Jews. Let's that's, look at it that way. That's why I put my vote for the Beastie Boys. Uh, 
to represent the Jews of New York. You are more a Catholic from New Jersey at your heart. <laughs> so it makes sense. No, I love Bruce Springsteen. He's um, arguably, I say arguably as if anyone argues about this, but my personal musical taste, he might be my number two artist of all time. I love after live, After live. After live. And, um, you know, when live came out with Mental Jewelry in 91, right. I just, at that you point, knew. I knew I'd fallen in love. Here's a voice for me. Yeah, Ed Qualcheck spoke to me uh, more than anyone else. But, uh, yeah, Bruce is like a hero of mine, and I, I hate everyone that uh, saw his Broadway show that weren't actual Bruce fans. So that, many people. That and I, and uh, yeah. people knew people I know that know I'm Bruce fans would say to me things like, Oh, this was life changing. Like two people at work said this to me. It's like, he cried. I cried. It was, it was like, fuck you. You're not a real Bruce fan. I should have been there, but you know what? I don't have $5,000 <laughs> and a three and a plane ticket across the country to see Br Bruce. So I missed the Broadway show, but I love Springsteen. I love listening to his music and I love born in the U.S. How much does it hurt you to know that there were people in that audience that when they sat down and they got their, they got their program and uh, they sat down next to their wives and they were like, Oh, comfortable. And, the show started and Bruce came out and they kind of realized at that moment that it wasn't Bon Jovi. <laughs> oh like God. that happened you, you, to you, some people from New Jersey. Not from Jersey. I mean, Jersey, <laughs> Bruce is an institution, I, but it's a good bit. I, I, but there are a lot of people who are like, why isn't he playing Born in the USA? Right. He's like, no, come on, bro. No, we're going to play Born in the USA. We will. I believe that's on this album, Born in the USA. It'd be weird if it wasn't. It would be a really pimp move if it wasn't. But Dan, you're the big, big Bruce Springsteen fan in this garage right now. Uh, when did Born in the USA come out? Well, this is definitely the oldest album that we've done on this uh, podcast, Bob. And Bruce Springsteen put out this album in 1984. I know that because it's part of Bruce Lore. It's his biggest album. Uh, maybe not his best, but his biggest album. I'm going to say it came out June 1984. You fucking nailed it. Yes! <laughs> June 4th, 1984. Big month in the world, Dan. Guess what happened on June 6th, two days later? Kurt Cobain killed himself. <laughs> Kurt Cobain killed himself. <laughs> the video game Tetris was first released in the Soviet Union. It's a good game. You got to give the Ruskies credit for that. Guess what happened two days after that? Kurt Cobain killed himself. Kurt Cobain killed himself. And homosexuality was declared legal in the state of New South Wales, Australia. What is that? I mean, come on. What, what is wrong with the world? Dan, guess what happened at the yeah. end of that month? Uh, Prince released Purple Rain. Okay. It's kind of crazy. Same month as Born in the USA. Those are two definitive albums that of the decade. That is insane that Purple Rain and Born in the USA came out in the same month. Yeah, it's pretty insane. A lot of people who are famous today were born in June 1984. Here we go. Tim Lincecum. I guess he's not really famous today, but he was famous uh, like five years ago. Major League pitcher, Cy Young's World Championships. Good Khloe time. Kardashian. Paul Dano. J.J. Reddick, Duffy, Fantasia Barino. Who and the fuck is Duffy? She was a singer. She had like a, a song. I mean, she could have been omitted from this. <laughs> Fantasia Barino and Aubrey Plaza. Those were not even... Did you really need to mention any of those people? Of course. <laughs> I'm surprised as a Parks and Rec fan, you weren't like, oh, Aubrey Plaza's the best. Uh, she's fine. Okay. Movies. And I've said this more than once on this podcast because I'm really limited in scope. This was the best month in the history of movies. This feels like when Gremlins came out. Gremlins. 
Really? Out. Yeah. <laughs> good. Nicely done. I was four when this happened, so this is pretty know. good so far. Gremlins. Do you want to go, do you want to keep going? Uh, no. All right. Bachelor Party. I was just being honest. Well, Bachelor Party with Tom uh, Hanks. Tom Hanks. My sister is a big fan of that movie. It's a great like movie. Nobody thinks of this movie with the Tom Hanks canon, but it's one of those great kind of R-rated 80s yep. romps. Yeah, and if it yeah. wasn't Tom Hanks and it was some guy that that was the only thing he did, we would all like tout that one guy for Bachelor Party. But right. because Tom Hanks has done so many other things, you kind of forget. A giant it. of cinema, Bob. Yeah, Conan the Destroyer. That's the one with uh, Wilt Chamberlain, I think. I think you're right. And then here we go. Top Secret, starring Val Kilmer and... Don't know that one. Oh, it's, a, it's amazing. It's like okay. a Naked Gun kind of movie. And Ghostbusters. Oh, shit. And, wait, and, and, The Karate Kid. What the fuck? The Karate Kid, Ghostbusters, Gremlins all came out in the same month. Wait, The Karate Kid, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Purple Rain, and Born in the USA all came out in June of 1984? Fuck yeah, they did. What the fuck? <laughs> and Dan, what was the number one song while all this shit was happening? Kurt Cobain killed himself. Yes, hit play on your fucking computer. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. Let's go back in time, Bob. Like she teases out the chorus a little yeah. bit. Cindy, Cindy Lauper. Lauper. As uh, Rick Morehouse would say, just one of the guys. Time after time, one of the definitive ballads of the 80s. So Maybe good. Maybe the best one. So good. Yeah. Like this and Eternal Flame to me are the two best, probably slow songs, like dance songs of the 80s. Yeah. Eternal Flame was, uh, we talked about this on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Who's doing the backing box there, Bob? Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's probably that fucking asshole, Don Henley. <laughs> Don Henley was just standing on the side of the freeway with a sign available for background box. Legit beautiful song, Bob. Yeah, Eternal Flame was our prom song because you rigged the vote. We talked about that on the pod. We have talked Time about after it. time, despite the fact we graduated high school in 1998, it was a song that was being played all the time in our high school. Right, and I believe it was a major part of um, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Maybe that's why. Maybe in the climax. Yeah. Uh, the backing vocalist uh, on that song that you heard in the chorus. Kurt Cobain, right before he killed himself. Was <laughs> Rob Hyman. Of the Hooters. <laughs> you remember that? Remember yeah. this? And we dance to the, da, 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 the romance. Yeah, I like that one. That's him. Good 80s. Fuck, I love 1984. 1984 was if, big. If Bill Simmons was on his pod, he's like, 1984 was the number one year pop, ever for pop, pop culture. Hey, June 1984. <laughs> I think my Bill Simmons is a little better than yours. yours I don't know. Is like an old man without his teeth. Mine's a little foghorn leghorn. <laughs> uh, all right. But it was. I mean, this That's is... That's insane. Some hardcore shit. 
Are we ready to get into it? And then this working class bro from New Jersey did this. Working stiff. I think the guy from the Hooters should be backing vocals on every song. Born in the USA, off Born in the USA, first track on the album, and uh, Bob, this, uh, even though Bruce is my guy, I think you could relate to this in the same way I did, because I didn't really get into Bruce. For all our proximity to New Jersey and being right in the center of Springsteen world, it was easy to kind of avoid Bruce or not want to gravitate toward him because he's so omnipresent. And this is like almost ground zero for why you want to steer clear of Bruce Springsteen in a way. Well, I think growing up with this, like Bruce Springsteen was no different to me than Bon Jovi or George Michael or Billy Joel or Madonna. It was just like one of those things from, you know, this came out when we were four years old and then it was just around for our entire lives. So it was like that music that you just grew up with. So there was nothing cool about seeking it out once we were like 16 looking for music or 17. Like in high school, there was nothing cool about Bruce Springsteen. It was only in college, I think, that you got into him. And then it, probably a little later for me where I really started appreciating his catalog. I, I very rarely am ever on like the cutting edge of music or being ahead of things. But I absolutely, I got into Bruce when he was kind of just seen as like a classic rock guy at that point, like in the late nineties. And then all of a sudden it wasn't because of me, but I just happened to get it might've been before. go on, go on. Okay. Thank you for hearing me out. Cause maybe you're right. But it feel like the Bruce appreciation showed up about 10 years later. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh wait, Bruce is a genius. And then all the hips, remember all the hips are yep. the lower East side. All of a sudden we're getting Nebraska and talking about how they love all this, like obscure Bruce Springsteen and all these albums. But this this album and this song was kind of like the opposite of all that. This was like Ma- Bruce Springsteen height of mainstream America. And I remember just this just felt like something that was on in the background of my entire youth that I just kind of tuned out because it was just it was just the, the world. It was John Mellencamp and Coca-Cola and Ronald Reagan. Like it's like, yeah. that's all the 80s for me. Um, like that, like I could see this album cover when I close my eyes without thinking about it. Is it the most iconic album cover of the 80s? Probably. Bruce's butt in his, front of the American flag. That hot butt of his. There was um, controversy when the album came out that people said that Bruce was pissing on the American flag. It seems like in retrospect kind of a conservative viewpoint on it because it was a big storyline. Twitter would run wild with that yeah. there was a It was a big storyline because people, and you could see how it could happen today too, this song, the Ronald Reagan, when he was um, seeking to be reelected in 84, used this on the campaign trail and Bruce shut it down. It was like, you're not even listening to what the song's about. It was yeah. actually about people uh, that coming back from the Vietnam War 
that were just getting shit on and they were just like where you know where is the america that i left and came back to and it was actually an awesome idea for a song that he kind of nailed and i read this great springsteen book his biography put out last year where he brought in some vietnam veteran a very notable vietnam veteran and um said i'm gonna play this song for you this is the song i've been working on that we talked about lyrics and stuff and then he hit the he hit the play button and i i try to imagine like being that vietnam vet hearing that song for the first time probably was kind of a badass experience this all kind of gets lost now because the yeah. song's just everywhere and it's part of the 80s fabric but it was a really cool statement. I respect the song a lot. Well, and, the, and the meaning of the song is completely lost. Like, unless you know Bruce Springsteen or you're really paying attention, that's a song about how great it is to be born in the USA. Like, the sort of fake mythology around the song overcame what it was actually about. Right. Um, so that's it. It does, I will say this. It sounds very much of its time. Yes. A lot of like the best Bruce songs are timeless. That one. And that's what he was going for. He was going for a right. huge pop album. I think like the best Bruce songs have Jerry Maguire dialogue uh, overimposed oh, yeah. on them. So I guess but besides not, that. Right. Okay. Besides yeah. that. Got it. Because I'm with you 110%. Okay. Got it. All right. Here we go. Track two. Cover me, Bob. I don't want to be a dick. I feel like he's kind of ripping off the Gaslight Anthem here. <laughs> kind of sounds like a little derivative. I've heard people people have, have said to me before, hey, you would really like Gaslight Anthem. You would. And then I've listened to it. It just sounds like a guy really trying hard to sound like Bruce Springsteen while he's also taking a dump. <laughs> yeah, he does have a gravelier voice, but he sings about, he quotes the Counting Crows while he's singing does like he? Bruce Springsteen taking a dump. All right, maybe I should revisit it. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the second single, Bob. Uh, really? Off Born to, uh, Born in the USA. And, and just to give you an idea of how big Springsteen was, it was the number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. And you know, this isn't like a song that jumps out at no. you. And it was one of... It was the second of a record tying seven top 10 singles. There are, I believe, 11 or 12 songs on the album, and seven were top 10 That's on the Billboard charts. Not insane. alternative, not mainstream rock, not it, the right. biggest songs. It's crazy. I like this song. In fact, the songs, I, the songs that I gravitate toward on this album are the ones that are lesser known. And Makes sense. We were young. We were ki like kids when this came out. So if you were alive at that time, you'd be like, oh, well, this song was played out too, but this song does not get played nearly as much as like being a top 10 hit. Yeah. All right, there we go. Track two. Do you have any Bruce Springsteen albums? 
I have his greatest hits. I mean, I'm trying to think like what I own nowadays, but I definitely at some point had the CD of his greatest hits. And did you? I, I'm surprised you even had that. I acquired it. I, di- I didn't go out and buy it. It was like one in of a those... trade for like a player to be named later. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, at some point it ended up in my collection, but that was it. I, I never I don't think I've ever gone to like a Tower Records and bought a Bruce Springsteen album. Yeah. Well, again, we're in a di- we were in, we kind of just missed his peak as a commercial artist. Mm-hmm. So like when we were getting into really getting to music when we were in middle school, he was in like his dark period when he released Human Touch album and Lucky Town and then kind of went away. He kind of went dark in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so it, that's what's made kind of when he was a revitalized popular artist in the 2000s, especially amongst people that all of a sudden appreciated him. I think part of it is because he went away. Well, that and it's interesting how like that's happened with like when Neil Young came back with Pearl Jam. It was like, oh, this is somebody that's on my radar now. I, right. I know his name, but like I need to pay attention to him. Bruce kind of did that too, where he just kind of came back and was being touted up by these alternative acts. It's it's not the worst thing. Like, yeah. uh, as a huge U2 fan, I think one of the things that annoys people like you, and there are a lot of people like you, is that I think some people would like U2 to just disappear for 10 years. Right, if they and did then, that, and then they came back with like, here's their comeback album. Right, or right. just if they went away and then some anniversary of an album came out and there was, and maybe they did a tour. Right. That's what happened with Bruce. People would come around to them. I think Bruce kind of went into the wilderness and he came out and people were like, oh, we kind of missed that guy. Yeah. Don't do it, Bobby. amazing that this is the most popular music in the country and then you look at the charts now and it's like it just shows how much has changed yeah things are so different now 35 years ago well i guess, I guess a lot it's a long, it's a long time 30 even in 2000 you know like 1999 35 years before this album came out was 1949 so. it's always dark when that shit happens <laughs> start breaking down which also, by the way, Bob, was when Bruce Springsteen was born. And he was 35 when this album came out. Like, wow, interesting. And he actually, I remember that Greatest Hits CD, um, which sold a, a zillion copies in the mid-90s. He wrote about it in the inner liner notes. I remember reading it that. That was kind of a, because this album had a ton of big videos on it that were in constant rotations. Constant rotation. And he wrote, like, it was super weird to become... Uh, a teenage heartthrob at 35. Yeah, that's got to be. Uh, this this song, Garlington County, is fun. It's fine. It's kind of a throwaway. Yeah. It's, it's a, a very, fun. It's a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. You know? It's like a bar song. Yeah. It's a. It's probably, and there's Clarence Clemens, it's probably his number one jukebox album. Yeah. Because there's so many songs that, that kind of pass that test. Speaking of jukebox, we, uh, you alluded to this on the episode when Nikki was here. 
you and Ben Savage from Boy Meets World <laughs> got into some sort of jukebox, not altercation. It was a little weird, but it was revolving around Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, it definitely was about Bruce. As I remember it, this was in um, early, it was probably right around this time of year in, in 2008. I had just moved to L.A., uh, and we were living in, in Hollywood and we went to the now defunct St. Nick's, was it? Yeah, on Third Street. On Third Street. And Ben Savage was there. And I don't know anything about Ben Savage, but I could tell you that he was having a good time that night. And Ben was feeling no pain. Yeah. And I don't know if he was even with anybody. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't remember him talking to anybody. But I remember thinking it was crazy that boy meets world was so amped up yeah and, oh you know what are some other words to use edgy like like you're not gonna say very high energy very very jumpy you could even uh, say he was probably coked out should i not say that i don't know if we're... allegedly allegedly that covers you allegedly he was part he was in a party mood and uh and and I think I was at the jukebox, mm-hmm. and he rolled over, and this is 2008, so it was before digital jukeboxes, so we're scanning through it, and he was so, he was probably, Bruce, Bruce, yeah, yeah, Bruce, and I said, oh, yeah, I like Bruce, too, he's like, and I remember him being super aggressive he about was like, what uh, song should be played. Yeah, that's what it was. So we weren't arguing, but he was, again, edgy, um, <laughs> hyper- Aggressive, um, allegedly coked out, a little jumpy. Right. These are all words I would use. No. Bob is using different words. No, that wasn't Bob. That was somebody else that came in here, <laughs> said it, and then ran away. And, uh, but he he definitely was um, excitable. And then later later in the night, I do remember going to the restroom, and uh, Ben was having a full on conversation with himself in the bed. <laughs> I remember that as well. <laughs> allegedly. It must suck to be super famous. And Ben Savage is sneaky super famous in the sense that for people of like my brother's generation. People two years younger than us. Right. My yeah. brother my brother was born in eighty six. We were born in eighty. But if you were if you just missed the age range for Say by the Bell, Boy Meets World yeah. was your equivalent. Boy Meets World for us, we I think we were anti Boy Meets World because we were a little too old. And if you were at home watching Boy Meets World on a Friday night... You were a pedophile. No, you were, you were a loser. Oh, oh. Or that. It just meant or that both. like you had nothing better to do than stay home and watch Boy Meets World, so you would watch it and just be angry that you weren't cooler. So I think that's why we didn't like Boy Meets World. I Yeah, I definitely don't think I ever... Really, I mean, the one thing I do remember is that everyone was kind of... Um, just like Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap mm-hmm. uh, back in 98... Um, was on my radar in a, uh, in a slightly inappropriate way. Allegedly. <laughs> um, Topanga was that. That was, I think, the, the extent of people are our age tracking Boy Meets World was, what's going on with this Topanga girl? Right. She's got a lot of promise. She was the Kelly Kapowski for people three years younger than us. But Ben Savage, I'm not going to say he was the Mark Paul Gussler. No, that was Ryder Strong. That was Ryder Strong. But he was the star of that show. Right. He was boy. Boy. 
I think that was the character's name. Boy. Could have been. Um, speaking real quick aside, and that was Working on the Highway, which is another just kind of fun album track that uh, bad bar bands in New Jersey and New York have been playing for 35 so years. So many cover bands are just nailing that right now as we speak. <laughs> Um, my wife occasionally watches, um, you know, the guy, Andy Carlson, was Milanakis? it? No, no. Andy from uh, uh, Bravo. He does the new year show with, uh, Oh, the other, uh, Cohen, Andy Cohen. The other man is what I was going to say. The other man, <laughs> the other man from CNN. Yeah. Him. What's his name? And with the white Anderson, Anderson Cooper. Cooper. Okay, yeah. you're really the plugged in. Man, was... Really plugged in with pop culture. Andy Cohen had uh, Mark P- Paul Gosler on his show, uh, and my wife had it on the DVR, and we had nothing to watch. So I said, "All right, put on this show that he does. He does like a weekly show." Mm-hmm. And poor Mark Paul Gosler. The man is now you know 45 years old, and he's on this show, and it's a collection of questions from Andy Cohen and phone calls from these yentas all over <laughs> the nation. And the only thing everyone's talking about is like say by the bell. It's got to be tough. It's got to be tough. And he's had a nice career. He's worked. He's his career has survived say by the bell. And NYPD. He's got a new NYPD Blue. He's got a new show on Fox. I mean, it, just call in and ask him about dead men on campus. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just one question about Franklin and Bash, and he'll be happy. Right. The, but the big the big takeaway here, Bob, because I know you want to be up to date on all say by the bell related minutia, uh-huh. is. Uh, a caller asked Mark Paul, "When was the last time he spoke to Screech, Dustin Diamond?" Oh, that's not a good. That's not a good thing. They're not. Not a good. They're, they're not on good terms. Yeah. And he said, "1994." Oh my God, that's great. <laughs> so that is not a good relationship. All right. So here's the thing about "Born in the USA," Bob. The monster single "Born in the USA" to start it, "Cover Me," another top ten hit. And then two kind of fun bar rockers, Darlington County, working on the highway. And then this slow burner, which I love. So these are common Springsteen themes of working class life and struggling to stay employed, keep your family above uh, head above water, all very relatable type themes that help explain his incredible popularity and his ability to marry that with the melody and all that. And I think just lends himself to parody so well, which oh. is why he's been a perfect example of somebody to just mock over the years. Right. Like lovingly mock, not like right. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Like Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller's was on the, the Ben best. Stiller show, yeah. like Adventures in Springsteen or whatever it was, where he'd like come to bars. Yeah, and he would deliver a baby and <laughs> Just and then mop up afterwards. mop up the floors, and then aliens would come to take over the world, <laughs> and he would like, he would get them to relax. But even just that line here, where he's like, "I work at a car wash," it reminds me of Adam Sandler, just like doing his little right. quick little songs and sprint. Yeah, like Sandler. Is hugely indebted to Springsteen, even as a comedic artist. Yeah. Songs. Uh, that's funny you mentioned that. That's one of my favorite Springsteen lines. 
And now I work at a car wash where all it ever does is rain. That's a pretty good, a good line. It's a, a good really line. Good. I like this part of the song too. Let's So my favorite parts of Born in the USA, Bob, are the songs that aren't as popular. Of course. I think a lot of Springsteen fans probably feel the same way. And this one, to me, is an early standout. Yeah, I like this a lot. I like songs that paint a picture, and this is really doing that. Um, and the E Street Band, of course, is his backing band. There's that synthesizer that's a, a big part of the album that he never really employed at this level before or ever after ever again. This was his big pop overture where he said, I want to be the biggest rock star in the country, and he did it. So it makes the synthesizer definitely dates the album. Right. But I like the sound of that. Like, yeah. It matches the moment. Well, for, for an artist who's had so many albums and been around for so long, it's great to have something like that to set this one apart. I'm with you, Bob. Now, that sets the table, Bob, for one of my top five favorite Bruce songs. And it's another slow burner. Is Renee Zellweger talking to Tom Cruise during the song? Unfortunately, no. So it's oh. not the best Bruce Springsteen song. Got it. But just imagine this song set to Tom Cruise. Okay. And Renee. I do. I do that for every song. RZ, as I call her. Had me at hello. You had me at hello. Secret Garden is just like a shittier version of this song. <laughs> it is. things about this song one of my number one karaoke songs I could kill the song in karaoke I don't think I've ever seen you do this I could sing the shit out of the song I said I went to Big Bear Mountain with uh, my NFL buddies Wes and Mark about five years ago never heard of him and we went to this bar um, that is having a karaoke night and you know I had a few belts in me and uh, I put this song on and sang my heart out and I had multiple people come up to me afterwards and said it was really good. <laughs> I am not joking. I so it's whatever it is, you know how every everybody has a song yeah. that's like right in their register and they could just destroy it. Yeah. I'm on fire is my karaoke. If I needed one to like save the world, it's like you need to hit all the notes and actually sound like someone who could sing. Yeah, this is it. Put on I'm on fire. That's number 1. Number 2, this this Bruce song I could listen to a hundred times in a row, never get sick of it. I just love the way it sounds. It's got a great feel. I even like that beat in the yeah. back. It's like a train. 
and Bruce's voice. And the video, remember that he was going to... I don't think I do remember Oh, it's probably my favorite Bruce video. It's... Bruce is an auto mechanic. Oh, obviously. And, uh, that goes true. without saying. And he's working under the car, and then this um, super foxy 80s lady <laughs> who probably had 80s uh, long ass. Oh, 80s long ass, 80s like extra well, dark legs. Yeah, very, very long legs and a giant tall butt and a fit, uh, pert, um, nice trim waist, and then big hair. Big hair, a lot of lipstick. She goes up to Bruce and she says, hey, Bruce, can you, well, she doesn't say Bruce, can you take care of my car for, for me? And, she's, and he's like, yeah, I'll handle it. And the video is him pulling up to her house with the car and then having the keys in his hand. And she's a married woman. And he comes to the door to ring on the doorbell to bang her. Bruce is going to lay wood. Good for Bruce. He's a married man. And um, he stops himself. And he takes the keys and he drops it in the mailbox and he walks home. It's a good man. It's a good man to turn to turn away that eighties ass. That's I mean, a nothing's lo- better than eighties long. That's ass. a lot of long butt. You're saying no to. Do you want to describe to the audience who might not know what eighties long butt is? I think we did a fair job of it. Did we do it already? How the butt starts <laughs> right above the knee and goes and goes to about the shoulder blades. And it, a lot of people say, oh, well, it was just the fashion at the time. No, this was the human anatomy. Butts were longer, though. Of the woman. Butts were longer. This was the human anatomy of the female form <laughs> from uh, 1980 until 1994. And look, guys were just, you know, combing their hair with their combs in their pockets and smoking cigarettes. And girls were walking around with those long butts. Well, the weird thing is that guys had normal butts. Oh, yeah. Our butts have stayed the same. The, but the ladies had long butts back then. It's evolution, Dan. Here's no surrender. Like I was saying, when we were growing up, uh, the, Springsteen was just omnipresent. It, even if you weren't a fan of Springsteen, you either had a bunch of family members that were into him, or um, it was just on the radio all the time. Yeah. Bruce, being growing up in the '80s, growing up in the '80s in suburban New York, right? Like there is yeah. a no joke. This is going to sound made up. That there's a tale that the, there's a bar called the Saloon in Pearl River. It's still there where we grew up. That Bruce showed up there once and played three hours. That's urban <laughs> legend in our town. Right. And I don't know if it's true or not, but we, it's right in the zone. It was Could like have been. all the songs that Bruce wrote about are about the towns around where we grew up. Yeah. And there is a Springsteen um, place in our town that was has nothing to do with Bruce. But the sign, it was right near our friend Christine's. The sign was stolen multiple times <laughs> that these 80s guys with normal butts and maybe their girlfriends with long butts would dig if the they were, sign if the they were lucky they locked down they locked down one of those long butts before they, they before they were maybe that's how they knocked because they eventually reinforced it in like some type of double cement yeah uh, but before they did that it was probably just these like teenage boy football players that just got their girlfriends to use their big long asses to knock it over 
<laughs> so the S's were practical as well. Um, this is one of my top five favorite Bruce songs. Really? It is. All right, let's listen to it. This just gave me. It's a great song, but it reminds me, Bob, of um, for a lot of Bruce fans, the essential version of the song is actually an acoustic version that I think was taken from the Born in the USA tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll play a little bit here as a way to get into um, the story, Bob, because um, our friend Dude Love, we love our friend Mike. And I lived with him in Hoboken uh, in 2004. And he, his stepdad, John, uh, was one of those classic dudes that grew up, I think he grew up in Jersey or maybe he's New York, but he was um, the perfect like zone for being a Springsteen oh, maniac. Yeah. yeah, totally. And definitely that type of guy, too. And so he knew I was a Springsteen fan. So I remember him visiting us in Hoboken uh, one weekend. And... Uh, me telling him that I had found this new version of No Surrender. Um, it must have been on like Kazaa or LimeWire uh-huh. um, at the time. And, um, and I said, John, you want to hear it? So it was just me and him in the room. And um, first of all, let me play it just a little bit. Out of class. Had to get away from those fools. We learn more from a three-minute record, baby, than we ever learned in school. So I, I said to John, listen to it. And we put it on. And John, who I knew, but, you know, my, my friend's dad. You know what I mean? It was just like... If this doesn't end with your friend's dad crying in your arms, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> and he gets very quiet. Oh, yes. And then he just stares into the middle distance. And then Mike's dad, John, starts crying in my bedroom. Yes, yes. What a moment. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And I said, it's pretty good, isn't it, John? And he, and he um, wipes away the tears from his eyes. He's like, yeah, it's really good. Then did you start screwing? If you didn't screw your friend's dad in this moment, what's wrong with you? But you know what? Like, I haven't thought of that in 15 years. <laughs> but you know what's funny? That is the... That is the impact of Bruce Springsteen on so many people around us in our lives growing up in the yeah. 80s. I, I don't know, like, in your family if there were Bruce fans, but I felt like every uncle I had um, was a huge Bruce guy. My dad, actually, um, ironically, was not really into Springsteen. Mm. But um, Bruce was such an important part of that area of the country. Like, yeah, he was around. I didn't have anybody in my family that was a Bruce Springsteen fan, but I didn't have anybody that was turning the radio off when he came on either. It was just on. All right, uh, here's the next track, Bobby Jean, one of my favorites.
the Springsteen files will tell you that this song was about little Stevie Van Zant leaving Springsteen's band, the E Street Band, and him basically writing kind of a love letter Aww. to little Stevie. That's nice. Um, and our boys, the uh, County Crows, Bob, um, covered snippets of this song. They did? Yeah. At uh, this and Thunder Road as well. Thunder Road, I know, yeah. Um, even, I would wonder if, I bet if, when we have Adam Duritz on the show. Wait, I'd is, love that, to, is that happening next week? When is that happening? Three weeks. Three weeks from today. Okay. After we have, we'll, we'll have Zumwalt back on a few times. We'll <laughs> have Zumwalt on a few times. We'll probably bump Duritz until we're done with Jason. Yeah, we'll get yeah. Duritz on. But the, one of our favorite Duritz songs, and it's on the Spotify playlist, uh, have you seen me lately? Uh-huh. Is about you know hearing me on the radio. Yeah. The song has that lyric. I wonder if Duritz. Duritz is a big Bruce guy. Makes sense. Um, so it's funny this. that it's funny that you brought up the hipsters listening to Nebraska earlier because I remember the Arcade Fire was the band that people started really equating to Bruce Springsteen. Yes, because also Bruce endorsed them, he I endorsed remember, them, around so that there, time. There was a big connection, and they, prob- I th- it was probably them in interviews talking about Nebraska, and I remember going and seeking it out and listening to Nebraska and being like, not for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, the, it was uh, a no, tough one to get into. Well, it, also the interesting thing, so Nebraska was all acoustic. It was yeah. literally recorded in his bedroom on like a, Four track or it was whatever not it what is. I was expecting. Yeah. yeah, it's very stark and very simple, and there's no other instrumentation really on it. And this was the next album after that, so basically he said, "I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction yeah. uh, with Born in the USA." But that was I. Like I was saying, I got into Bruce in the late '90s, and then around 2004, all of a sudden the hipsters like came in for Bruce, and then I would try to have conversations with said hipsters, and they'd be like. Oh, yeah, I got Nebraska on vinyl. That's it. That's like, all they what, have. Well, what else? That's it. No. What else do you have besides Nebraska? That's all they needed. Phonies. Phonies. Fucking piece of shit. Oh, come on. What? That was, uh, phonies is fine. Pieces of shit's a little harsh. <laughs> that felt strong. I feel like even Ben Savage would think you were going a little extreme with that. I mean, hey, listen, you're the one that's getting the lawsuit. <laughs> Not me. Um, all right, here is the best... Wait, yes. I just can't wait till we're fighting in court. It's me v. Ben Savage and you v. David Faustino for your libelous claims as well. <laughs> we're just, I'm we're just frankly stand- shocked we haven't heard from his lawyer. We're yet. standing there with Bud Bundy and boy <laughs> just fighting the powers that be. It's going to happen. Boy meets world. <laughs> uh, here's my favorite Bruce Barr song. Going down another top ten, top ten single, Bob, in 1984. Yeah, this was a big one. You know, I didn't know this until our good friends at Wikipedia told me that 
This song deals with the frustration of diminishing sexual activity in romantic relationships. Bob, where are you and your wife when it comes to <laughs> sex life? Where would you put it at a 1 to 10 right now? Going down, down, down. <laughs> Bruce gets it. Bruce speaks for me. Well, the, you want to hear some dark shit. Um, Bruce got divorced about a year after the song came out. <laughs> Two years or so. I mean, you write a song like this, you're just asking for it. You're really just putting it out there. That's true. I mean, I feel like I have. I know so many guys that um, vent, you know, about not getting enough at home and being sexually frustrated. Bruce just—he turned it into a top ten hit, but it's—he's no different. <laughs> he's still just like, come on. He couldn't get the pussy. <laughs> you love doing it. <laughs> well, I like this part. It's a hacky complaint. <laughs> I mean, I totally, the other great thing about this, this album is that if you were in a, a cover band mm-hmm. in New Jersey, 1984 to present, there's so many bands, uh, so many songs in this album that feel like, and you and I have a deep musical knowledge from our abilities to play instruments, playing some parts of Santa Monica, the I, song. Uh, part of Blister and the Sun by the Violent Femmes. Uh, yeah, uh, the opening chords of Stand By Me by Oasis. Hello. Uh, little bit of satisfaction but just like the bass i line. can blow into a harmonica yeah we got we got skills uh, i'm on fire on karaoke anybody there you go uh but this song this music seems like it's easily tra- can be easily translated and, in a live setting and also look if you want to be in a queen cover band you better fucking find an amazing guy that could sing like freddie mercury you want to be in a springsteen cover band just do it yeah, do it. Just yeah, do no, it. No reason you can't do it. No, you don't even have to be that great of a singer. You're not going to sound exactly like him, but you'll be close enough. Exactly. By the way, cover versions of I'm Going Down include renditions by Frank Black, Free Energy. You love Free Energy. Vampire Weekend, Dessa, and Trampled by Turtles. Okay. Are you familiar with their work? I am, yeah. They're like a very bluegrassy, country-ish kind of band. They're you just good. made that up. No, they're good. I, I know Trampled by Turtles. I really do. Do you know, are you familiar with the cover? I think I've heard it. Huh. You fucking liar. I, I don't go deep into the Trampled by Turtles catalog, but <laughs> I have heard of them. I mean, who who gathers around, you know, like a, a table at a diner or or in an audition space and says, all right, guys, we got to hammer out the name of the band. we got to come down. <laughs> we got to figure this out. And everyone at the end of the day says trampled by turtles. Yeah, and we're like, they're all like, that's the, that's it, that's the winner. Because turtles are slow. Better band name, trampled by turtles, Hootie and the Blowfish. I think Hootie somehow is better. So Hootie and the Blowfish does not have the worst band name ever. That's a victory. Congratulations, trampled by turtles and Diarrhea Planet. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Diarrhea Planet makes me angry. I know they do. Let's not talk about them because they actually have. Let's uh, not good talk songs. about. Don't talk about them over the song. We gotta listen to the song.
Glory Days, one of his best-known songs. And we've talked about this before, Bob. There was a girl in our high school that was the girl. Have we, wait, have we talked about this? Well, personally. Well, well personally, we yeah. talk about it uh, a lot. More than we probably should. <laughs> um, but there was a certain girl in our high school that was the girl that every guy wanted to be with, every girl wanted to be friends with. And I always now, when I hear this song, I think about that verse when he goes to the bar and basically has a drink with the girl that was the number one popular cheerleader. Right. And the weird thing is I thought that 20 years ago that it reminded me of this particular girl from our high school. And then that girl actually did end up getting divorced and be and to, in my mind when I think about this girl probably wonders what happened to the good old days. You know what I'm talking about. It's maybe not great podcast fodder because I can't say too much. But so do you think that her life was predetermined by the Bruce Springsteen song. Yes. Okay. That's all you had to say that it was yes. like, she had no choice. It was like a final destination thing. This is what was going to happen to you. And because think you about were, that. You were the cheerleader that was perfect in high school. Like this is your future according to Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And I, and I think that besides that, just like the fact that Bruce is so, un- it feels so unique in terms of um, if you're from the New York, New Jersey area, how you relate to it. I just feel like for some reason this this song foretold a part of my life, even though I wasn't directly involved with it. So it took on a whole new meeting as I got older. Yeah. Because Bruce kind of nailed it. Well, because it was like uncle music. It was like that older, like he was 35 when we were four. So then when you're all of a sudden 30 and you're looking back on things, you're like, you got everything right. Like, right. that's really, now I like relate to this song in a different way. And keep that thought in mind, Bob, when we get to the last song in the album, because there's another connection in that realm. But th- that's Glory Days. And the video, Bob, another famous video. One of those, I hate when it happens because you can't fault these guys because they're not, in a lot of cases, they're not athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, can't throw a fastball. In the video for Glory Days, it opens and closes with him um pitching to his son i believe on some high school field in a a a blue collar town somewhere in northern new jersey and when he winds up and and throws the pitch it's like oh shit bruce springsteen can't fucking throw a baseball (laughs) (laughs) and you hate it because it's like if anybody should be able to it's you bruce bruce can't fucking throw probably can't fix a car he throws like a fucking girl probably can't work a car wash either he can do car and motorcycle stuff because I read the book. Okay, okay. okay. So he, he actually isn't a total fraud, although it's fun in his new Netflix special. He says that everything he's done is bullshit. He sings about this working class life right. and everything, and he never worked a day in his life because right. he was in bar bands from when he was 16. But um, he can't throw a fucking baseball. I can't throw a baseball. My favorite case of can't throw uh, a baseball is still uh, Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds. It's like if an alien was trying to fit, which is ironic with the movie, but like if an alien came to Earth and was trying to fit in amongst society in a, in a human body form, uh, and the only thing he had to do is not bring attention to himself, mm-hmm. it would be Tom Cruise trying to play catch with his son in War of the Worlds. Can't do it. Check that out. All right, bud. Almost impossible we haven't heard the lead-off single to the album, Bob. 
That is Wait, the biggest Born in hit the USA of his was career. not the leadoff single? It was not. Wow. This was the lead single. <laughs> Probably my favorite um, kind of Springsteen backstory is this song that he delivered Born in the USA to the record company without this song on it. And the record company listened to it and said, we're missing a single, which is fucking insane, yeah. as we know, because it ended up having seven top ten singles. And I, I think we talked about this on the show, but I'll repeat it since we're talking about this album. In a fit of anger... And bitterness. He wrote a song about being forced to do something. Can't start a fire without a spark. You're just telling me to write a number one song. I can't do that. I, that's what the song's about. And it became the biggest hit of his career. And it, it is. It was the 1984 version of, hey, we want a viral video. Go make one. Right. And exactly. he did it. But he actually did it. He was like, okay. It was amazingly not number one ever. It, it finished at number two, stalled at number two, held out by When Doves Cry, Ooh. which, okay. I mean, you can respect that. And The Reflex by Duran Duran. Let's calm down, America. We, we love Duran Duran. The re- Reflex was fine, but come on. Um, and then, of course, this is most famous uh, in modern society because of one of the friends was in the video, Courtney Not, Cox. Yeah, Courtney Cox. What were you going to say, say, the friend? You don't say one of the friends. You just say Courtney Cox. No, friends. Listen, bud. Screams Courtney Cox. Do you want to connect with the kids of today? The the friends somehow has turned out to be more relevant in 2019 than it was in 2009. I would have said FX is dirt, Courtney Cox. I would have said that show where everybody drinks wine. Cougar Town's Courtney Cox. Pretty amazing that um, Friends has that type of reach now. Yeah. Like with millennials and like teenagers love Friends in 2019. Weird. Well, because you know why? Because it's, it's milk toast. Because they're all offended by Seinfeld now. And Friends okay. is kind of edgy for them. But That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's just like- I I disagree with your theorization. I believe that... It's the equivalent of when we were kids in the 80s and the monkeys got really big. The monkeys TV show. Oh, I think it would be more It's nostalgic. It's kind of cool, like, oh, this is what my parents watch type. I think it would be more like watching Happy Days after school. Or like whatever was on, like, Channel 11 when you came home from school. Right. Brady Bunch, Happy Days, those kinds of things. It's also a good show. It's fine. I love Friends. Yeah, but. You you never loved Friends. You never got into it. we've, We've been over this. 
I liked it. You were more a mad about you guy. I, I was that. more the single guy, Jonathan Silver. It's like everyone pay attention. Paul Reiser's on screen. That was Bob. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> so he used to say all the time. He'd be like, I will everyone put would on- be in conversation and you'd just be like staring at the boob tube. Oh, Paul Reiser's up. <laughs> Everybody quiet. Reiser's on. Dancing in the Dark is uh, a beautiful relic of the 80s. It's great. And then I, I've seen Bruce many times live, probably five or six times now. And every time he plays it, it's fun. But there's no recapturing the album version because it's so perfect. It's so beautifully 1984. He pulls Courtney Cox on stage every time, which is miserable for her that she has to tour around <laughs> with Bruce Springsteen. Just for that one moment in every concert. It doesn't even seem like she's like on board with it. No. She's, put it that way. No, it's against her will at this point. It's really uncomfortable. Actually, I just got an amazing idea. Bruce is getting up there now. He's close to 70. He's turning 70 this year. Holy shit. Damn. Um, what if he did a anniversary tour, Born in the USA? This is actually a legit great idea. Okay. And got a Courtney Cox hologram. And then danced with the hologram. That's a great idea. 1984 Cox. Who says no? The hologram. It's like, please, don't make me dance with a 70-year-old man. Kill me. I'm young. <laughs> How do you have feelings? Stupid. <laughs> it's like a whole other can of worms. <laughs> All right, Bob. This is the other song I was talking about. We're both fathers of young boys. It's true. And... Um, I didn't understand the song as well as I do now. Town, the final single of Born in the USA. You know how big this album was, Bob? Every song on the album has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> Not single. All 12 songs have a Wikipedia entry. That's something. And the B-side of this song, Bob, is Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which is one of the essential Christmas songs Yes. now on contemporary radio. Can I just say I'm so happy that uh, the holiday season is over because there are only 13 good Christmas songs. <laughs> and the fact that you have to listen to them on repeat for a month straight is just gruesome. Yeah, I get it. I get it, bro. We need more. Good, what I'm saying is we need more good Christmas songs. If you look at if you look at what are the big songs, there's been a real dearth in the past 30 years. You got Petty's. Petty Christmas did a nice time. job. You got uh, Springsteen. You got Mariah Carey. Yep. Then some, you know, like a hodgepodge of the classics. And then it just... There hasn't been... Yeah. It's Then it's just dark. But this song was number six on the uh, Billboard Hot 100. Number one on the contemporary charts. And it was released, Bob, um, in late 85. 
So we talk about this uh, every once in a while when these massive albums pop up. That at a certain point, it's just like a heat check. It's like two years later, they've made a trillion dollars off the album. It's like throw one out there and just see if it catches fire. And it ends up being one of the biggest hits. We'll just keep going until we're out. It's a nice song. I just love the image of the son sitting on his lap. That connects with me in a way it didn't when I was 19. I like that it was a Buick, because I used to drive a Buick. So it really, really hits close to home. How many albums do you think this album sold up? 30? Period. Not million. 30 albums. You're um, right. It's 30. It's not a, it was the biggest bomb of his career. <laughs> it no. uh, uh, 22 million albums. You should have stuck with your bit by 30 million. Wow. Uh, which makes it one of the highest selling albums of all time. Uh, sharing company, Bob, with on either side. This is a surprise, Bob. Abbey Road by the Beatles. Not a surprise. And Trampled by Turtles. Debut album. <laughs> Trampled by Turtles. No, but Abbey Road ahead of Born in the USA. Okay. Behind Born in the USA. And this is, we were, again, too young. Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Really? So I mean, like 30 million albums? That's cool. But right. what? <laughs> Is it because of the hey, all the people on the MTV? That's gonna you're moving 30 million because of that wow. video? And right beneath that is the Titanic soundtrack. See, my dad was a big Dire Straits fan, so we had more of that in the house mm. than we did Bruce Springsteen. Very cool. I love this actually. I love the 30 million club. It's great. Um, Appetite for Destruction. Okay. Tell me if you own the album or owned the album at any point. At any point. No. Appetite. I never, I never owned it. Santana, Supernatural. Never. But I will. <laughs> I can't believe 30 million people bought the fucking <laughs> Santana album with Rob Thomas. Pink Floyd, The Wall. Nope. Nevermind by Nirvana. Yes. Wow, that sold 30 million. I guess it's not surprising. Metallica's Black Album. No. Titanic, music from the motion picture. Pass. <laughs> Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. No. Way to let down your dad. Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen. No. Abbey Road, The Beatles. Yes. I think that might have been your sister's. I stole it from my sister. Yeah. The Immaculate Collection, which is a great you own that one. title. I know you own that one. Madonna. No, my dad does. Oh, wow. I think I might have stolen from my dad. <laughs> um, one of the great titles for her greatest hits, Madonna always playing on the Catholic imagery. The Immaculate Collection. Yeah, it's pretty great. ABBA, gold, greatest hits. Nope, can't say I do. The Beatles, one. I think at some point it and ended two, Everyone up. had that one. Yeah, it just kind of... It was of, like, in 2000, everyone got All That You Can't Leave Behind by U2 and the Beatles' one album. Right, yeah. Everyone it. got it. Yeah. Celine Dion, Let's Talk About Love. Nope. You don't have a lot of these albums. <laughs> Clearly. Adele, 21. That sold 30 million. That's insane. Michael Jackson, Dangerous. We've done that on this show. Yep. I had the cassette. Here's a surprising one, Bob. The Dirty Dancing soundtrack sold 30 million copies. Damn. Can everybody calm down? <laughs> Sergeant Peppers by the Beatles. Celine Dion falling into you. What the fuck? <laughs> no wonder she's in Vegas every night performing to sold out crowds. Jagged Little Pill. Bob, we've now done three albums that have Look sold 30 us. million. Michael Jackson, Bad. And Led Zeppelin, Four. Wow. Uh, Led Zeppelin. How about that? 
<laughs> calm down with them a little bit. I mean, good for them. All right, Bob. It's time to pick the selection for our Spotify playlist, which you can access at our Twitter handle. When I say that, is that true? Can you, if you go to our Twitter ha- Twitter handle at Throwback Pod, you don't have to scroll down too far before you find one of our links to the playlist. Just scroll down a little bit. Let me do this too. I'm just gonna. I'm checking this in real time. Throwback. I'm googling is, it. Throwback uh, Podcast, Spotify playlist. I mean, this should bring the. It playlist should just up. bring it up. You there it hope. is. There we go. Type in Throwback Podcast Spotify and uh, Google, and you could also access it. We have to add a song. <clears throat> yeah, we do it every episode. We have the best playlist on Spotify. That's a fact. No matter what Ben Savage tells you, it's the best. And Dan, I, I mean, that's you and boy have to work that out. I, I can't. I don't want to get involved. And Dan, I wouldn't in a million years step in front of you right now and throw out a song. This is we are in. We are in Pearl River, New York. Mm. You are sitting at the saloon. It's 1981 and it's Bruce shows up. 1981. You're at the saloon. You're drinking a Bud Heavy. Oh, yeah. you're, you're chewing on some peanuts, dropping the shells on the floor. Oh, drop those fucking shells, baby. Uh, Reagan's on like a little TV in the corner. Is, Just, it, is, it, is it around Christmas time? So they have yeah, the train have the tracks train set up? Track set up yeah, and the there's some like, Christmas around. lights around the train tracks. Is and someone being racist somewhere in the bar? Yeah, not even quietly. <laughs> loudly racist. <laughs> And all of a sudden, the door swings open. You hear the little bell. And you look up, and it's this guy with the blue jeans. Great ass. Small ass. Like, guy ass. You know right away it's a guy because his ass isn't long. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And you're like, I think that's Bruce Springsteen. And he plugs in, and he plays the song off Born in the USA. What is it? And you're flying. That's it. That's one way to put it. You're flying. Bruce played four hours at the saloon. That's the story. <laughs> um, I do, by the way, before we go, I love the bit on your other podcast, which if you guys don't know, Dan does have another podcast. It's fine. like, it's, it's fine. Okay. It's all right. It's, it's not okay. my thing. Yeah. But um, the bit every time you talk about Pearl River and refer to it as a coal town, <laughs> there's like some shitty Muzak version of a Bruce Springsteen song that they play. Yes. I it's pretty that. great. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do because it gets all the guys mad because they will never, ever, ever say the Pearl River is not a coal town. Yeah. Well, and the thing I like about it is we've been calling Pearl River a coal town for, <laughs> for years and nobody would ever challenge us on it because it's just us being stupid. Yeah. But I love how you did it on your podcast and now they're <laughs> offended by it and they have to go with it. And also, you know who else doesn't like that? My own mother. <laughs> really? Yeah. She did. Yeah, she's like, I moved you to a fucking amazing suburb. Yeah, it's a, a nice, beautiful bedroom suburb of New York City, <laughs> and you tell thousands of people that we grew up in a coal town where everyone <laughs> dies in the shaft. It lives very empty or very hard lives. Well, yeah. that's show business, Whatever, man. there's a cannon in the middle of town. That's that's all. You, that's close enough. Uh, there you go. I'm on fire uh, from Bruce Springsteen is the latest addition to our Spotify playlist. Get it at Throwback Pod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at Throwback Pod. We're also, uh, you could reach us on Gmail at the Throwback Pod you know, at Gmail. You know what else? We have uh, a we have a subreddit that uh, nobody goes to. Are you serious? Yeah, one of uh, I think Kleine started a subreddit for us. Oh, how bad is it? How many people are there? Like four, but you know it's there. If you're on Reddit, just go to our Throwback Pod. Why not? All right, please. 
support it. We believe in you. And uh, patreon.com slash throwback pod if you want to give a little bit to support the show. We love you guys. Uh, and that's it. Good show, Bob. Love talking about Bruce. Could yeah, talk about him all day. Clearly. When you leave tonight, I'm going to sit in this rented garage. I'm going to listen to Bruce. I'm going to pour some gasoline in here, light a match, and burn the whole <laughs> fucking good, thing to the ground. That's a good way to go. You look so happy right now. I don't even think you want to tell people to go fuck themselves. No, I thought we were going to maybe uh, retire that. Well, it doesn't feel right right now because you're in like a good place right now. Mm, very let's, warm. Let's just go. All right. Well, until uh, until next week. Go fuck be, yourselves. Okay. I was going to say be good to yourself. No, fuck yourselves, you motherfuckers. <laughs> There's a temper. Ha, ha, ha.